Welcome to the sermon podcast of Northridge Presbyterian Church in Dallas, Texas. I'm Betsy Sweetenberg, the pastor here, and I hope that in this podcast, you see what we seek to do week after week, approaching the stories of our faith with a holy curiosity, not shutting the book because the stories are hard or there are truths we'd rather ignore. Instead, approaching scripture, trusting that God will meet us there, full of grace and truth, teaching us something new about how we are to live in this world God so loves. Our scripture reading this morning is the very end of Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. I invite you to listen for God's word to you this day. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In my living room in front of our TV, there are four wooden cutouts that spell home. Instead of the letter O, however, right now there is a red heart. Last month, in place of the O, there was a snowflake. Before that, we had a snowman who was dressed up for Christmas. And before that, a turkey. Whatever the season, the wooden pieces announce to us that we are home in that place. And what is home? For us, it's a place to live, to work and play and rest. And in my home, if you zoom out from that word home, you will see a loosely folded blanket in a wicker basket. A pile of wooden train pieces on the floor in front of the fireplace. Puzzle pieces and coloring sheets and markers without their lids on the tables. Books for both children and adults on the couch. And a stuffed dog with a blue band-aid on her ankle. If you keep backing out on the scene, you will see tissues and a water bottle and a shiny red purse ready for Valentine's Day. Smudges on the back windows, dried milk spots on the floor, and succulents who've lost leaves to the 15-month-old who likes to pick them off and eat them. This home is rarely neat and tidy, but it is a welcome spot for my family and me to be ourselves a place to learn and grow and even spill our milk. In recent weeks, as we've gathered for this sermon series, we've seen and known Jesus as healer, forgiver, friend, judge, teacher, and host. But today, we've jumped over big portions of the gospel story 
right over Jesus' crucifixion, death, and resurrection to find ourselves at the very end of Matthew's account where Jesus gives voice to the disciples' ongoing mission and call. And here at the end of Matthew, Jesus, who even before his birth was called Emmanuel, God with us, promises to be with his disciples always to the end of the age. Jesus promises to be with us always, to be our home. It strikes me that being with Jesus is rarely neat and tidy and certainly not always comfortable. But being with Jesus is a place where we are reminded that we reflect the image of God. And it is a place where we can fully be ourselves, a place where we can learn and grow. Home. The end of Matthew's Gospel, also known as the Great Commission, has been one of my favorites since I studied it in seminary. It was then that I discovered something fascinating about this passage. We read that the 11 disciples gathered with Jesus on a mountain in Galilee. And the translation we get from the New Revised Standard Version says, When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Now in seminary, we had to translate all of our passages directly from the Hebrew or Greek. So as I studied the Greek text, I noticed that the word some was not there. There is no quantitative word at all. So the sentence is more naturally translated, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but they doubted. Now, I was very surprised to discover just this week that the updated edition of the NRSV, which just came out in 2021, does in fact translate it this way. They worshipped him, but they doubted. It's not that some of the disciples worshipped and some doubted. It's both and. They worshipped and they doubted. There is room for both to coexist. The disciples had been on this journey with Jesus with high expectations for what was coming, for what it meant to be with the Messiah. But instead of saving them from the imperial powers, Jesus died. Their friend Judas, who had betrayed Jesus for money, then died by suicide. The 11 remaining disciples were confused and disoriented and hurt. And then three days after his crucifixion, Jesus was raised from the dead and sent a message to his disciples to meet him on this mountain in Galilee. It's not hard for me to understand how worship and doubt would both be actively present for all 11 disciples. And I'm willing to bet that just because you are at church worshiping God today or worshiping from home does not mean you don't have doubts about Jesus or God or your call in the world today. 
When we look to Jesus, there is room for both worship and doubt. What doubts or questions do you bring with you today? Does God really hear my prayers? If God is so good, why do I feel so alone? Why are the people of Turkey and Syria suffering after an earthquake and thousands of lives lost? If Jesus came to include the marginalized and show us a way to radical love, why do so many people make God's love conditional? Is it okay if sometimes I don't want to be labeled as a Christian? What would Jesus do about the rise of anti-Semitism in our country? What if I don't really believe some of the stories in the Bible? If people here knew everything about me, would I truly be welcome? Now, I can't answer all of these questions for you, but I am certain the disciples carried doubts and questions that were just as significant when they went to the mountain to meet Jesus that day. And still, Jesus called them to preach the gospel and share the good news, to make disciples in all places and baptize them in the name of the triune God. Go, Jesus said, teach all the people what I have taught you. Don't just stick with the people from your own family or village, those who look and act just like you. Go to all nations and include all people. Teach them to love and serve. Tell them about my grace and the surprising places where salvation is found. And when you go and do this, Jesus says, I'll meet you with the energy and the spark of the Holy Spirit to move you forward. I'll be your home. I'll give you a place to rest and refuel. I'll help you learn and grow, and I will shepherd you onward. So often these days, I think it feels like our world is upside down. It can be hard to know what is upright. Sometimes we think we've made really good progress toward God's vision of a beloved community where all are known and loved and every need is met. But at other times, it feels like we've just taken 10,000 steps backward. We don't know where to turn or how to begin again. The smallest bit of news can have a monumental impact. Kate Bowler is a professor at Duke Divinity School who at the age of 35 and with a newborn son was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. She wrote a book called Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies I've Loved. In the book she writes, in those first days after my diagnosis when I was in the hospital, I couldn't see my son, I couldn't get out of bed, and I couldn't say for certain that I would survive the year. But I felt as though I'd uncovered something like a secret about faith. 
Even in lucid moments, I found my feelings so difficult to explain. I kept saying the same thing. I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back. At a time when I should have felt abandoned by God, I was not reduced to ashes. I felt like I was floating, floating on the love and prayers of all those who hummed around me like worker bees, bringing notes and flowers and warm socks and quilts embroidered with words of encouragement. They came in like priests and mirrored back to me the face of Jesus. At a time when she didn't know what was up and what was down, and honestly, if tomorrow would even come, Bowler knew she was not abandoned. The God who had promised to be present with her was somehow. Jesus showed up. Jesus was home with her even in those very rough days in the hospital. Doubt and worship together, side by side. We can both revere God and wait for answers. We can both believe in God's power and wonder when it will come. We can both trust in God's providence and doubt its timing. To be home with Jesus is to let go of the conflict between perfection and imperfection, good and evil, order and disorder. To be home with Jesus means being okay with a little mess, some disorder, even some anger. If we take this Great Commission seriously, then the chance is real for us to be met with skepticism, discomfort, unease, uncertainty, and anger. Jesus challenged the status quo. He confronted the religious and political leaders of his day and turned the values of their world upside down. He made those with authority and power angry, and it led to his crucifixion. The late Rachel Held Evans was, in my view, a modern-day theologian who had mastered the art of holding doubt and faith together. In her book, Inspired, she wrote, If I've learned anything from 35 years of doubt and belief, it's that faith is not passive intellectual assent to a set of propositions. It's a rough-and-tumble, no-holds-barred, all-night-long struggle. And sometimes you have to demand your blessing rather than wait around for it. Rachel Held Evans and her friend, Pastor Nadia Boltz-Weber, posed the question, Why Christian? to a group of speakers at their inaugural conference held in 2015. To this group of preachers and counselors, writers and activists, straight and gay and bisexual and transgender, Latina and black and white and Indian and Korean, they asked, why Christian? Why, with all the atrocities past and present committed in God's name, amid all the divisions ripping apart the church, 
in spite of all your doubts and fears and frustrations about faith, are you still followers of Jesus? What makes you continue to believe? A whole bunch of people shared their own responses, and when it came time for Rachel Held Evans to share, she wrote, I spoke honestly about my doubts about the Bible and Christianity. I confessed my uncertainties about raising children in this broken and beloved community we call the church. I explained how gatherings like these help restore my faith because they pull me out of my head and into the lives of others, into the big, colorful, messy, and magical story of Jesus. I am a Christian, she concluded, because the story of Jesus is still the story I'm willing to risk being wrong about. When the disciples saw him, they worshipped him, and they doubted. Worship and doubt, side by side in the presence of Jesus. We can be at home with Jesus with everything that we are, all parts of us, every bit and piece, every nook and cranny. I will tell you, I was very intentional in choosing to quote both Kate Bowler and Rachel Held Evans today. Both women wrote books in their 30s as new mothers. Both were raised in the church, and as they grew into adulthood, began to discover that they had more questions than answers. Both published the books I quoted today in 2018. Kate Bowler, who was diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer, is still living, and it would appear even thriving some seven or eight years after her diagnosis. Rachel Held Evans, who was on the forefront of modern theology as she wrestled with her questions but still professed a strong faith in God, died tragically in 2019 after getting sick and being hospitalized. And you know what? I can't make sense of that. One was not better or more faithful than the other. It doesn't make sense. So I come to God in worship and find my home in Jesus with plenty of doubts. And Jesus says to us in Matthew at the very end, Remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. I am your home, even if it's got smudges and eaten leaves and a red glittery purse. I am your home, no matter what. In recent years, Kate Bowler has written a number of blessings, and I'd like to close with what she has to say about doubt. Blessed are we who come to God in the discomfort of our doubt, for we trust that our honest unknowing is a truer and better prayer than bootstrapping efforts at certainty. Blessed are we receiving the gift of doubt, for we trust that it is a doorway 
freeing us to become that we could not otherwise have known. Blessed are we, remembering that you, God, hold all things together. You are the invisible scaffolding that supports us, the canopy of love that protects us in the present, the stable pillars sunk deep into our past, and the dove that flies confidently toward the future, bearing for us the peace that we could never have attained for ourselves. Blessed are we, settling into the truth that there are things that we can't know, settling into the humility that knows this one thing, that we are of the earth and you are our God. Notice this day what you do know and trust. Thank God for it and leave the rest. Friends, Thanks be to God who forms us, teaches us, sends us out, and yet never lets us go. Amen. Go out into God's world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Return to no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering, honor all persons, love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. And as you go, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the power of the Spirit bless you and keep you this day and always, always. Amen.